Okay, so maybe you could just put that Revelation scripture up for me quickly. As I was, as I was preparing for today, the scripture came to me just uh, right at the end of the book of Revelation. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We'll just leave it right there. <clears throat> As you can see, I'm getting excited already. So, what we see here today, one day, is done. No more packing our chairs. No more getting halls ready. No more needing to serve coffee at the back. No need to, uh, uh, for there to be elders and deacons and structure that we have to make the life of God flow. You know what we do in churches. One day, we'll have Jesus, and that'll be enough. One day, we'll have him, and it'll be enough. And the reason why I felt that scripture, keep this in one hand if you don't mind, is that I felt that the message that I have for you is, why did Jesus go to church? Why did Jesus go to church? Oh, did Jesus go to church? Yep, he did. And I give you a, a little glimpse of why church, why we have for this period of time before then, before that day, before that beautiful day when there'll be no more mourning, no more crying, no more shame, no more guilt, no more sin, where there'll be absolute perfection. But while we are here, I was watching, uh, those of you who watched The Gladiator, you watched The Gladiator, the movie, yeah. One of my favorite movies, but one of the gladiators, you know, the gladiator, Max Maximus, his uh, wife and child were, were murdered, and he was this longing to be with them. And one of the gladiators said, you will see your mother, your, sorry, you will see your wife and your son. And it's like dot, 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 but not yet. But not yet. We are here. One day we will see him as he is in perfection, seated on the throne, the way John saw him seated on the throne, but not yet, but not yet. We are here for the season, and, I, and for as long as I live, I want to I soak myself in the beauty of who he is in the Holy Spirit and watch people to come and watch me burn, burn for Jesus. I'm trusting that as you, as you leave today, you'll have a fresh glimpse of why we're still here. 
why we come to church? Why church? And it's just, it's just, a, little, it's just a little window, okay? It's not everything we're called to do. So I'm going to look at why Jesus went to church. While he was on earth, he knew where he was going. He knew the destiny. But while he was on earth, he chose to go to church. Why? Have you thought about that? Okay. So I want to give you a quick scripture here. It says in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, Jesus was 12 years old, and we know the scripture well. Yeah, he goes missing after, I think it was one of the, one of the uh, Pentecost or one of the celebrations that the Jews did. He goes missing, and his parents look for him for three days. And he says to them, when they find him eventually in the temple, he says, and he said to them, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house. Deep from when he was a child, he had a passion for his father's house. There's, a, there's the moment we get a revelation glimpse that church is not a building, that church is not stairs stacked out, church is not about doing a membership course or discipleship course. Those things are all Really, really important, they're tools, tools that we've been given. The moment we realize that church is actually the Father's house. And every time we come to the Father's house, he's got a meal for us, spread, ready for us to eat. And that was what Jesus saw, he saw his Father's house. And in his Father's house, there's work to be done. But it started with knowing who he was, he knew I am his son, and my dad has a house, and I want to be in that house. It wasn't out of duty that he came to church. It wasn't out of mere obedience that he came to church. He delighted to be in God's house, was he in his father's house. He delighted to be with his father's children together. And there's different things that he did, obviously, in the father's house. But that was right set in his heart from the beginning when he was 12 years old, when he was 12 years old, young. It's about the father and his house and his business. That's why we're here. If the Lord did not have a plan for more for the church, we would be with him. Amen? The church would be no longer needed. But not yet. <laughs> not yet. There's still work to be done. I like to think of when Paul or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. Is it Hebrews? Where is it? Okay. Hebrews, do not forsake the gathering. Do you see that as do not forsake the gathering of the brothers? Or do you see it? Come on, don't forsake the gathering of the brothers. It's the best place to be. There I go. You see, I told you. Okay. My voice is lost. <clears throat> How do you read that scripture? It's like, I want to be there. I was born again in 1970. <laughs> 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 I've loved God's house my whole life. Been part of it my whole life. And I've had fresh revelation. I haven't, I've come up short many, many times. 
But in my heart, from the beginning, I knew there was a devotion. The moment I became a child of God, conviction came that I became part of his house. And part of his house means part of his household, part of his church. That's my intro. (laughs) Okay? Jesus went to church because it was his father's house. And as the father's son, he wanted to demonstrate to us that he wanted to be there. That deep within, he wanted to go in and start to grapple with the leaders and trying to shape minds and define destinies and get into the lives of people. People and change them and see if they could see the father as he really is. I had this picture last week when I was uh, preaching at um, in City Bowl that when that scripture says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them, so many of us, and I want you to think about where would you sit? There's a when Jesus says, there I am amongst them, and you're there in that place, and Jesus walking in that crowd where you're at, what would you see on his face? Would you see a frown, or would you see a smile? I've come, you're doing this in your life, and you've got to make this right, you've got to correct this, and would you see judgment and criticism? And he does need to correct, so, I mean, these are the things, but I think he says something like, without them in the midst, it's like, come on, my boy, come on, my girl, you can do it. You're there. He's urging them on, like, a, a soccer, like on the side of a soccer team, go for it, pass the ball, do this. It's kind of, that's how I see Jesus. Hopefully you see Jesus more like that. And I'm, I'm not, there is another side to Jesus, the, the fear of the Lord, and, and we need to live lives that are set apart for him. But I want to tell you, life set apart for him is, is much more joyful when we're living on the side of God's smile and actually God's saying, I want things you to live in the more, and I do need to correct this in your life. You, you didn't pass the ball well there, make it right, you know. I like to think of the Lord more in that kind of terminology. Okay, so there you have it. So this is the scripture that I want to share with you. The foundation um, uh, that I want to share with you is Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Okay, again. Say the word again. Which means? Means again. In other words, it's been there before. Okay, got that? Again, he entered the synagogue. Okay, now the synagogue simply means this. I've got this. So those of you who think synagogue is in church, it says this. Synagogue was a place where Jews gathered for instruction and worship in the New Testament period. The Greek word synagogue means assembly and can, can refer simply to the gathering of people itself. So wherever people gathered in a certain place was called a synagogue. And we've heard Andrew talk about how, you know, church in the house, church in the synagogue, church in the colonnade, so Solomon's colonnade would be like our gathering. So this is like a synagogue, okay? Okay. It is actually, is this a Jewish? Actually, <laughs> how appropriate. <laughs> I forgot that. That's right. This actually is a synagogue. Oh, wow, okay. I didn't think that while planning, by the way. It just happened to be, okay. It says, as he entered the synagogue, there was a man with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see where they would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. 
And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately, held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. In Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as, as was his custom, he went into the synagogue. Do you, do you agree with me that Jesus wanted to go to church? Wanted to go to the synagogue. It was not just... It was not just a good habit. There's something in his heart that, that motivated him to, him to be there. So I'm going to unpack just a simple message to you. I hope you just get a window, on Jesus' window, on why he went to church. And it's not, it's not total. It's a really heart encouragement to all of you I'm trusting. It says there, again he entered the synagogue. As I said just now, Jesus went to church or went to synagogue not because he had to, but because it was his father's house and that's where he wanted to be. He, his question, I believe, was something like this. He had spent time with the father in the father's presence and he had spent time on the hill, had spent time on his own with his father and the father said, I've got something prepared for you in that synagogue today. There's something I want you to do. There's something I want you to give. And he gets there, and there was a man there. No name. Not famous. Not well known. Maybe sitting in the back row. A man with the stigma of a withered hand. A man probably because of that withered hand could not work. A man with a withered hand that had people looking down on him. A man with a withered hand that had deep needs in his life. Maybe uh, suffered rejection by so many his whole life. There was a man. I want to tell you, you come into this place on a Sunday and Jesus sees you. You may not have the biggest name, you may not have the biggest gift, you may not have the biggest reputation, you may not have... Uh, the, the, the profile that others have, but Jesus sees you. I think that's a lot about what you've been sharing in that, prayer, that scripture that you shared, Jesus sees you. Jesus saw a handicap. Uh, Jesus saw the man with a handicap. And people realized that the handicap was what defined his identity. Jesus saw the handicap. And he saw his handicap as a means to defy people and to show his glory. This was not a life-threatening disease. This was not a massive problem. And I say that because God knows everything about everyone at any time. 
there was a man with a withered hand, with a handicap. That man had longing and dreams, but probably never fulfilled. But a withered hand is a testimony that echoes into eternity. Your life, your testimony that God is doing, wants to do through your life, has done through your life, is a testimony that echoes into eternity. No matter what God, uh, no matter what, how the extent of our God's working life, everything God wants to use for his glory and everyone God wants to use for his glory. Amen? Every single one of us. The Father that day wanted to transform one life. That's why Jesus went to church. Every person that walks through that door matters to God. Every single person matters to God, no matter who you are. And that's how Jesus came. He said, I've come to seek and save the lost. Every single person that comes in through the door, if, it may, if they matter to God, they should matter to us. Amen? This is Jesus' heart of compassion. Heart of compassion. This is why I came to church, Jesus said. Here's a man with a handicap, and I want to heal him. I want to heal him. That's what the Father wanted to do. There's a life my dad wants to transform, a life to be saved. That's why Jesus came to save the one. <coughs> Oopsie daisy. There we go. And they watched Jesus. The difference between coming to church with a motive to glorify Jesus and to come to church with a relational passion to want more of Jesus, the difference between that and religious practice and ritual and tradition is that those who are passionate about Jesus see and those who are who are motivated by a tradition, watch. What do you see? When you come into church, what do you see or do you watch? Because generally speaking, if you watch, you are a spectator. And if your heart's not in the right place, as these guys were, they began to criticize. Began to criticize. They were watching, but they're looking to find fault, to criticize, to judge. And it was the scripture that I was in Matthew 7, verse 20 to 21 to 23, which I think is what you alluded to in the pre-meeting. <laughs> Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name, but perform many miracles. Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, evildoers. It's about knowing Jesus. It's not about doing things and the religious stuff. It's a heart to see Jesus glorified. That's why we come. We come to see Jesus glorified. We start by saying, Jesus, I'm your child. Open my eyes to see what you want me to see as I come into church today or go to Com. Or today, as, I, as I'm this, this living action of the church in the world today, open my eyes to see. I don't want to just be a watcher. I don't want to just be someone who watches and, and tries to pick up on the slipstream of others. I want there to be in my 
in my slipstream lives transformed and changed by the life of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So, so Jesus says, uh, so what is to do good and what is to do evil? I put it very shortly, very quickly. To do good is to love one another. <laughs> to show compassion in action. To see the man with the withered hand. To see the person who's struggling with, um, with a relationship. To see someone who's struggling to find work. We've heard some of the stuff that, uh, that um, Mike mentioned earlier. Even in this congregation, this is church, man. Doing good. Doing evil, watching and doing nothing. Watching and doing nothing and criticizing. It's better when you come to church to do good. Good? Are we good? So Jesus comes and he sees a man with a withered hand. And he says, I want to make a difference in that one man's life. When you come to church on Sundays, do you come to receive or you come to give? In my experience over the many years in church life, I've said those that are growing the most are those that are giving the most. I know there's time to receive. I've been sharing with our guys in our congregation for a while. Something that the Lord spoke to me a while back where it says, even in the scripture they read just now, Jesus came full of the Holy Spirit and began to preach. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was full, consistently full. He comes out of a desert place, out of a temptation, says, comes out of the desert full. And he starts to minister and he starts to preach the gospel, starts to heal the sick. And I wondered, I asked myself the question in our congregation, because sometimes we come to meetings and it's like, the worship comes, trying to wind people up, eh? Because so many of us have had a bad week and we've wound down in the week, and so, so we come empty and we need to be filled. Jesus' model of church is come full to be emptied. Okay, it's true. Am I right? Every single one of us have got Jesus as our Savior. Every single one of us have got the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Everyone have access to the Father by the Holy Spirit. Why sometimes do we not come full to the meetings? Come full, ready to empty yourself. And might be just through one person. Might be with a prophetic word, might be with a scripture. That's why the Bible says whenever you get together, each of you should have a word of encouragement, a scripture, a hymn, a song, uh, a prayer, whatever it is. We come full. Because in a way, Jesus left and he said, it's better that I go because I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit in. Because, because I go, you're going to be more effective than I was. Greater things will you do than I've done, he said. And how do I do that is there's... Part of me by the Holy Spirit is in all of you. So your Monday morning should be your empty day, not your Sunday mornings. <laughs> Jesus came full. Jesus came full of the Holy Spirit, full of the vision and heart of the Father, and he looked around and said, where's the lonely? Where's someone that I can see sitting by themselves and I want to touch them? Where's someone that's got a need? in their lives. Man, this is church.
It's not everything about church, but I want to, I want to come and encourage you with the heart of why we come to church. Jesus in, is in the, the work of changing lives one at a time. When we planted, we, so some of you may, know, may or may not know, Kim and I planted the church in Mossel Bay in the year 2000. And then in 2010, we handed that church over uh, to Josh Jen, became a Josh Jen congregation. We then joined Ryan Kingsley in City Bowl and uh, leading a church for nearly 11 years in Mossel Bay. You, the visionary. Ta da 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 And you preach every week. And you do leadership training. And you lead worship. And da and I don't, yeah, actually we did it, well, I didn't have that heart, well, I'm, I'm trying to get the picture that you did a lot, we were leading the church, and we was a church plant, and it was only us, and so in a way it was by force, we had to do all these things, and then elders came along, we started to work more into the team, but I, having vision, and leading teams, and, and organizing the teams, and, and going to nations, and that's what we did, and then coming to uh, to Josh Jen, it was like, have coffee with the saint? Wait. Wait, Lord, I, will, I led a church. Don't you think America? What do you reckon? It wasn't quite like that, but I'm exaggerating. But I, I think you get the drift where... There was a thing that the Lord had to teach me in that transition in my life was uh, the Lord asked me a question at the time. He said, um, I was sitting down with a, with a gentleman talking about some relational issue, I think it was, some boyfriend or girlfriend issue, and I'm thinking, Lord, and the Lord said to me, just ask this question to me, I felt it in my spirit, he said, how does my kingdom grow? <laughs> One life at a time. How did I learn that lesson? One life. Every life matters. And I think Andrew, there are no random citizens. I think Andrew's preached on that before. I love the fact that Jesus says to the man with, his, with the withered hand, come here. Wasn't are you over there, standing in the back? Way over there. Stretch out your hand. No, he said, come here. See, Jesus loved interaction and connection and relationship. And he draws us into a place of intimacy, but out of place of relationship. So he heals, so he can heal relationship. The man, I don't know where he is. I'm hoping the man with the withered hand is in heaven one day. I'll be able to ask him about that interaction. But the man with the, the, the withered hand is dead today. Duh. Okay. Just is. But I'm trusting that as Jesus touched his hand, that his heart was healed. We're in the business of, we see these things and healing and we touch people with the love of Christ. But unless we bring them to Jesus, come near to Jesus, come into my life and touch the life of Jesus in me. That's what Jesus he did. He wanted to bring people close. 
That man didn't deserve Jesus' prayer, am I right? I want to say the foundation for every prayer, for every healing, for every ministry is mercy. Undeserved. And so we come here with our eyes open, but hearts filled with mercy and compassion to see if there's a lives we can change. So our prayer when we come to church, come to these meetings, should be, Lord Jesus, let me see like you see. I want to come to church and see people that need a touch from you. I want to see lives that are changed and transformed by your love, but it's the love you poured into my heart, the mercy you've poured into my heart. And none of us deserve your mercy, but we receive mercy. And so I want you to flood your life into me. I want to just pour out mercy and compassion. Amen? That's why we are. The reality is, every single one of us are handicapped. Every single one of us come with withered hands. In some measure, maybe it's pain of the past. Maybe it's a disappointment. Maybe there's some anger. Maybe something happened relationally. Maybe your upbringing. Maybe something parents did. Number one, I want to say, Jesus knows you. Jesus sees you. Jesus wants to... uh, Pour out his love into your life and into your heart. And he wants to heal, he wants to heal that thing that is cramping the vision and the destiny of what he holds in your hand. There's so much more, but some of you, perhaps even here this evening, have been held captive by a withered hand because you feel the Lord's disappointed you or there's fear in your life. And, you, and the Lord says, I want you to stretch out your hand because I want to do work with that hand. I want to use that hand. You need to stretch it out to me. Open it up so that I can fill it, that I can use you. Can, can be, so that hand can be a healing hand in the lives of others and touch the lives of others. That is what Jesus is into. Every single one of us come with handicaps. But the beautiful thing, why don't you just come with the music? The beautiful thing about Jesus is the very withered hand that we bring to him and we stretch. He wants to use for his glory. That scripture in Romans, I'm just thinking off the top of my head now. That scripture in Romans chapter 8 where it says, we are more than conquerors. You know that scripture. We are more than conquerors because in Christ Jesus. Why are we more than conquerors? What is a conqueror? A conqueror is someone that's won a battle. Am I right? A more than conqueror. The more than conquerors were the Romans who went and had a battle, but then they brought the slaves with them, and they used those slaves to make their lives better. Conquered, they conquered, but then they used the that which is conquered to bring glory to Rome. That's what they did. More than conqueror means that the very things that God we think restrict, the very places that we feel hold us back, the handicaps what God wants to use. 
That song we sang, Make Room, very appropriate. We say, God, this restriction, this thing that holds me back, this, this, um, this handicap that I felt, it could be whatever it is, you know, and I think the Lord started to touch on these things in the worship, areas in our lives where we feel we can't give, we haven't got anything to give, we handicap, there's something that's happened in the past. I want to say today that Jesus sees you, Jesus knows you, and says, Jesus says, come to me, stretch out your hand. Not only do I want to heal your hand, not only do I want to bind up your broken heart, but that very hand I want you to use for my glory. The very thing that we feel disqualifies us is what Jesus used to qualify us and define our destiny. Why did Jesus go to church? Because he loved people. And he wanted to see as many sons and daughters restored, redeemed, brought back into his father's house. And that's our work. Jesus said, I'm about my father's business. What is father's business? It's not accounting books and it's not getting all our all our ducks in a row. It's not jumping through discipleship hoops and courses and everything. It's about every life mattering to God and every life being touched by Jesus and every life being changed one at a time. And God says, I want to use you. You are my hands, my feet. I think that just came up today. You are my hands. You are my feet. You are my eyes. That's who you are. That's why we do church. Come full. The gospel is the most beautiful story it is just simply beyond words, the beautiful message of the gospel that we carry. Jesus is in Musenberg. Do you agree? Okay, now I want you to look around at the people around you say, Jesus is in Musenberg. Okay, now I want you to say this. Because I see Jesus in you. Aha. We all have a part of the body of Jesus, a role to play and to give into this community. The synagogue. <laughs> Jesus is going to do, I'm, I'm so excited to see the new faces and what God's done and He's doing here. Let us come with a fresh thing. Do not forsake the gathering of the brothers. It's like sons and daughters getting together waiting to see what our God is going to use each other in each other's lives. What a beautiful picture. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you set an example to us how much you love church. How much you love people. Why don't you all stand with me? Then I just want to pray over you as well, just while we're doing this. I thank you, Jesus, that you, when we came into the meeting this evening, nounced, or perhaps even unbeknownst to us, you were here hovering, walking around, looking for the one with a withered hand, looking for the one, with a blind eye, looking for the one, with a lame leg, looking for the one 
who's hurting, looking for one who has fear in their lives, looking for the one with the disappointment, looking for the one with, with the emptiness and hopelessness, looking for the one, that's who you are, that's you looking all the time, seeing through the heart of the Father. Help us to see Jesus that, that you simply love to get together with us by your spirit. You enjoy it. You never forsake the gathering of the brothers. <laughs> you never do. Because where two or three are gathered, there you are, committed, everything, all in. That's you, Jesus. And our response, our trust would be the same. We're all in, Jesus. We're all in Jesus. I thank you that one day we won't need this. That one day we will, there'll be a new heaven, new earth, a new Jerusalem, and none of this will be need, needed. That day is going to be most glorious in all of eternity, for all time, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, visual, vi visible, present, with us. That's who you are now. But for now, Jesus. But for now, that's not yet. And while we are here, God, let us give our lives passionately and wholly, totally, we're all in, fully devoted to loving people. Fully devoted, God, to saying, Lord, fill me today so that I can see what you're seeing and do what you want me to do for the one and the two and that person and that person, that lady, that young man, that child, that son, that daughter, that granddad, that grandmother, whatever it is, God. Help us to love your people like you love them. Oh, Jesus, fill us with compassion. Show us mercy. Even, even this evening, flood us with a, a refreshing of your mercy. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would now soak every single person tonight with the beauty of your presence. And that you would ignite us and people will come just watch us burn for Jesus. That would be your heart, Lord. That would be your heart. I know there has been a response already, so let's just remain in this attitude of receiving. I know I've spoken about being full, but let this be a moment of filling again. But I do want to give another opportunity. I spoke at the beginning that there's going to be a day, one day, when none of this will be needed. When those are children, sons and daughters will be united, defined as the bride of Christ, where we meet Him, be with Him forever, the most beautiful, beautiful moment in eternity, the most beautiful person in the universe will be our husband. What a beautiful, magnificent day that will be for us who love you and have put our faith in you. But if you have not put your faith in Him, if you not believe as we've believed and you love Him, you've committed your heart and your life and serve Him and said, I want Him to be Lord of my life, I'm going to give you a moment to do that right now. I don't know all of you, but if you don't know Jesus as your loving Father and your friend, 
who loves you, if you don't know him, you haven't committed your life to him, you haven't put your faith in him, it's a simple step of saying, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to devote my life to you and to what you are devoted to, your church. That is what I want to do. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand? I'd love to pray with you, get some people to just pray around you. I do not want to pass an opportunity. Every moment I want to, that I'm up front, I want to give an opportunity for, for sons to return. Sons and daughters to return. You've been far away from Jesus for a season. You're backslidden. You don't know him. If you stood before the Father today and you'd say, would he say, I know you? Would that be you? Won't you raise your hand if you're not sure? I want to make sure that you're going to be in heaven with me one day. Anyone? Anyone? Woo! We're all sons and daughters. Woo! I trust that is so. And if, there, if there's anyone that's got any doubt, you can come to myself or to, to Mike or any of the leaders. Yeah, and we will gladly pray with you a prayer of repentance. You give your life to Jesus. I'm going to pray one prayer of infilling. We're going to sing that song, Make Room, I think. Just I feel that there's something on that song, Making Room for Jesus. And don't just sing it off this preach. Don't just sing it as Making Room. Say, Jesus, I want to be see like you see. I want you to fill me. I want you to, to give me a fresh vision of what you will cause me to be in Musenberg, in this church, in this congregation, being your hands and your feet, whatever that means. Holy Spirit, just as Jesus came out the desert, it says he was full of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Jesus, right now that this congregation would be known, congregation to be known, to be full of the Holy Spirit. Full. Full of Jesus full of fire and passion for Jesus, for Him.